Guess what, everyone? It's season two. Thank you so much for being part of the Spillet journey with me and tuning in to the Spillet podcast. Spillet is a show where I get to speak to inspirational people and share inspirational stories to connect people together, inspire people, and everybody should be learning something new. Spillet is filmed live every Wednesday at 7pm over on Facebook, YouTube and Twitch. Viewers are able to be part of the conversation by joining in and leaving comments as part of the live streams. For more information on Spillet, to find the links for the live shows, find upcoming episodes and guests to be part of the show, or to support me by joining the official Spillet Patreon or get yourself some merch, head over to the Spillet website at www.spillit.uk. Hello everybody, welcome to my little show that I like to call Spill It. Spill It is a show where I get to speak to inspirational people and share inspirational stories to connect people together, inspire others and help people learn something new. This is episode 59, My Son autism and me with eric rashke joining us at 7 10 p.m so just under 10 minutes time so make sure this is going to be such a good story i heard eric's story a few months ago uh, we had a bit of a chat his story is it pulled on my heartstrings i'll, I'll be honest um you know from a from a personal level but then also just hearing his story anyway uh, it was a really really good story so i hope that you guys join us for that if you haven't checked out our other episodes yet then you can do all you have to do is head over to the spillet website at www.spillit.uk and you'll be able to catch up on all of my episodes all nearly 60 of my episodes live so you'll be able to watch all of the ones from episode one all the way up until now including the end of season party with Dan Sprague and Adam Oakley. And also, if you are wanting to listen to this in on the move, then you can do all you have to do is go onto the website and there will be links to the podcast where you'll be able to listen to it in your car or whilst you're cleaning the house or whilst you're having a bath. I don't know. <laughs> However you listen to your podcasts, you'll be able to listen to me and my guests over on there. There are three main ones that we that we stream to. So you've got Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And there are others as well, but they are your three main ones. You'll be able to find links to those directly on the website. If you want to see it on another platform, just get in touch and let me know, and I'll send you the link over to another platform. <sighs> okay, announcements. Here are my announcements for tonight's episode, or just, you know, for tonight in general. Number one. Know your worth. This is super, super important. Okay. So basically, on Friday, uh, now, uh, you know, the, for those who know me, I do a lot. As in, like, it's not just this that I do. I'm very, you know, I'm pushing myself out over on social media a lot. I'm doing a lot of things over on social media. I run a dance exercise class uh, twice a week. Uh, and I also run a, or I, so I co, I basically direct and help with uh, a children's theater company as well. And I run a full-time job. 
So I do my full-time job. I do this. I do the editing for the podcast. I do dance exercise twice a week. Um, and then I also have my radio show as well. So there's very, very little time that I actually have to myself. Anyway, 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 anyway. I decided that I was going to take a step and hand in my notice for my full-time job. It got to a point where I was beaten down a lot within my full-time job. There were many opportunities that should have been mine that didn't, that wasn't given to me, or there were people uh, being rewarded uh, who shouldn't have been rewarded. And there was a lot of things that didn't align with my core values. And it made me feel very, very down a lot. And I made the active decision to hand in my notice um, on Friday. And here we are, we're on a countdown for me leaving my job. And this is the job that I've had for several years now. And it was just, I had to realize that you've got to respect and know your worth. You you are worthy of so much more. And so I wanted to hand my notice in and, and make that step. And yeah, I feel very, very positive about the future. There's a lot of things happening, especially in the Spillet community as well, and also in the little bit of community as well. So for those who uh, know, or for those who don't know, I run a radio show called A Little Bit of Marcus. I'm wearing one of the uh, one of the merch hoodies today, a little bit of merch. Uh, now, the A Little Bit of platform or the Little Bit of business is moving forward. Now, last week we had guests on from uh, the uh, from um, a band. And I really, really, really liked that platform. And one of the things that I've decided to do is create a separate show that's specifically for bands, musicians, and anything like music related, essentially. So there'll be a separate show now going forward for these bands. And I'm really, really looking forward to getting that started. Deborah Cade has joined us. Hi, Deborah. Uh, greetings from Arizona. Happy to spend a little time with my friends across the pond. Thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you so much for joining. Um, so yeah, the a little bit of will be uh, happening and growing even further uh, and growing bigger. There's so much happening with it and I wish that I could share it all with you, um, but I can't. But yeah, the, the the first step is that a little bit of is pushing into the music world, if you will. And I'm going to be speaking to a lot of bands, musicians, solo artists, singers, um, basically anybody within the music industry. I think it's going to be a really, really good platform to have. So I can't wait for that. Next on my agenda is the LGBTQ plus month. So next month in September, it's going to be the LGBTQ plus month. So make sure that you are joining for that. It's going to be a really, really educational. Obviously, we didn't do anything over Pride. I, I felt as though uh, I shouldn't be doing it, even though like I'm a massive advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. I felt like I didn't want to just do something over Pride because I didn't want it to be that it, I was just doing it because it was Pride. I wanted to like dedicate a full month or in my head, I thought that this should just be something that you talk about throughout the year. Um, but what I've decided to do is that I am going to dedicate a whole month to the LGBTQ plus community, and that is going to start next month. So we have got guests lined up, all are advocates and part of the LGBTQ plus community, and that is going to be starting next month, and I can't wait for that. So I hope that you guys join me um, throughout September, and you listen, you you learn something about the LGBTQ plus community. And then lastly on my agenda, guests are wanted. I'm uh, currently currently picking up guests uh, or signing up guests or scheduling guests for October and 
obviously beyond. So if you if you want to come on the show and you want to talk about literally anything you want to talk about, you want to come and spill it with me, then you can do. All you have to do is get in touch with me over on my website. There is links to my social media platforms and also my email address, which is marcus at spillit.uk. And you will be able to come on my show and talk. Let's let's spill it together, shall we? Let's spill it together. Or if you don't want to and you know somebody that might be interested, then get them to get in touch with me or you get in touch with me on their behalf and we'll sort that out. Either way, it's up to you. <laughs> okay, I've talked your ears off for 10 minutes. It's, it's not my show tonight. It's not my show. It never is my show. It's always my guest's show. That's, why I, that's how I always describe it. It's never my show. It's an opportunity for my guests. Well, my guest is waiting very, very patiently in the back, in the green room. He's here. He's ready to come out. He's got his story to share. He's got a smile on his face. And he's ready to come out. Are you ready? I, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. So I'm sure that you guys are as well. Here is my guest of the evening. It is the fabulously amazing Eric Rashke. Hello, Eric. Hey, how are you? I, I am all right. How are you doing? Good, good. I like that you're free from your job. Congratulations. Thank you so much. There was a lot of chains with that. And, uh, and you know what? I, I took a step. And I hope it pays off, but there's been so, and I'll be honest, like there has been so many guests that I've had over the last few weeks uh, and months even where they basically just said, you know, sometimes you've just got to take that plunge. Sometimes you've just got to take that step. And I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take this step. And then, you know, who knows what they, what, what the future holds. Um, but it's definitely a step that's worth taking. Yeah. I mean, being a writer, like I, most of my life was working two jobs, you know, writing and working all day and taking that step to becoming a full-time writer. It's huge. It's enormous. So congratulations. Thank you so much. Um, but it's not about me, even though I appreciate it. Thank you. This is tonight is all about you and I am ready to play a game. Are you ready to play a game? I am. I am. Good. I'm well, good, and I just lost it. I, I won sorry the other night against my family, but but I uh, I'm not very good at games, so I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try my hardest. I'm sure that you'll be fab at this one. Here it is. It is the five second rule. That's right. It is the five second rule. This is a game that I play with all of my guests. It's just a nice little icebreaker game. All the rules are simple. I will say to name three somethings and you have got five seconds to name those three somethings. It is as easy as that. You get three rounds to play. Are you ready? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> Good. Here we go. Here is question number one. Name three things you can paint. My dog, my wall, and my floor. <laughs> you can paint your dog. <laughs> he gets paint on him every time we paint. He walks around and he gets paint on him all the time. He just rubs up against stuff. So. <laughs> I'm just imagining you like just sat there like, yeah. The cat, the cat too, you know. <laughs> Amazing. I love it. Right. Number two, name three round objects. Oh, uh, rubber ball, kahaktabalen, um, uh, which is Dutch, um, and uh, oh, kahaktabalen is little these little meatballs that they make. So, okay, but, uh, okay, yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask you what one of the them is, but I didn't, yeah. I, I wouldn't have known the pronunciation. So, <laughs> yeah, we had them for dinner last night here. So uh, my wife makes them; they're delicious. But. Okay, uh, 
And your last one is name three things that need to be replaced because of wear and tear. My father and uh, the, <laughs> the washing machine and ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just leave it as your father. I'll give you a win for that. That's fine. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> well, well, that was amazing. I was. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely love that. Well, well done. <laughs> well, like put a smile on my face. Did you enjoy that? I did. I did. I did. <laughs> Good. I, I'm not. So, I'm not the fastest, wittiest person, but I, I love. I like those games. And yeah, <laughs> just your father. That was that was a uh, was epic. That was brilliant. Uh, Stephen is has joined us, saying hello. Hi, Stephen. Hope you're okay. Thanks for joining. Hey, okay. Right, here is the question of the hour for you, my guest this evening. Who is Eric Rashke? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I thought about this, and I thought of a lot of snarky, quirky answers, and I thought of a lot of serious answers, and I was trying to sort of come up with something. And um, But yeah, I, I, oh God, what am I? I mean, it's like, I'm, I think I'm just like everybody else, you know, I'm just sort of plotting through life trying to you know make the best decisions that you possibly can and uh um i just read the other day i think is ian forrester said something like you know life is like like you you're, you have to play a, a violin concerto without knowing how to play the violin and life is just trying to play that violin concerto without uh without knowing how so yeah i i i, I uh, i've always wanted to be a writer my whole life and um and uh, my, my, my father is also, he writes nonfiction and I write fiction. And uh, um, he, I, I've always wanted to be a writer. So I've been a writer first and foremost, but then I became a father. And then, you know, all those other sort of important things in your life sort of fall to the side, you know, and then I became a father again and a father again. And, and, uh, and then it just becomes sort of managing how you had those hopes and dreams and sort of balancing them out with what you always wanted to be, which was a writer, you know, and, um, and uh, yeah. And so I, I think like, I, I think now I've sort of reached a point where I, I've become a father and a writer and I'm writing about being a father, you know, and uh, I'm sort of mixing those two together and um, trying to find my way. And of course, like, once again, there's, you know, there's, you make a lot of good choices and a lot of bad choices and you just sort of feeling your way through it because there's no, you know, there's no, there's no template for it. So, um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. I mean, I'm not always going to write about being a father. Of course, I like writing about other things too, but, um, right now it's, it's consumed me with my, my son who is autistic. Um, so, and then another thing too, is that there's a lot of, I've, I've tried to steer away from the father son memoirs because there's mm -hmm. so many of them with like father, son, autistic son. Uh, so I wrote a book of fiction. Um, but, um, some things have happened within the last few months. I'm like, Oh, I have to write about this. You know, it's like, a, it's my life is becoming too good not to write it as a memoir you know, right now. So it's a, uh, yeah. So that, that, that's where I am. I'm, I'm, I'm writing and I'm teaching and I'm being a dad. So, I mean, it's, it's very commendable, obviously for, for what you're doing. And so you're a father, father of three then. Yeah. Three boys, yeah. three boys. And is it just one that's autistic or. Yeah. Yeah, just, just one. Yeah. And obviously, we're going to go into the, the story of your books and obviously what you have written about uh, later on. Um, and I just wanted to kind of touch on the fact, obviously, about uh, about your soul. Oh, let's begin the journey with your your son. So how is this? Is your son the, the youngest one or He's middle? The oldest. Or? 
he's the oldest one yeah. how has how how did that obviously how how was your reaction basically when you found out obviously he's autistic and you know what did that mean for you in your life yeah i think you know talking over the years now my experience was very normal that that i was like something's wrong with my child everybody's telling me something's wrong with him and he was i was here in amsterdam and he was going to the you know to the daycare and they were like there's something wrong he's not responding to his name he's you know he doesn't clean himself he goes to the bathroom like one thing after another after another and i'm like i don't know i lived in new york for years none of my friends have kids you know i'm around kids i don't it seems he seems fine to me he just seems like a little kid who's just kind of obnoxious you know but like no no there's there's something really wrong and 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 then uh and then yeah i mean the problem with the netherlands is it's a little bit behind uh america and australia with autism and it took us a while before someone said maybe he's got autism and then i just i just read every book i could you know, and, and I realized that my experience as a parent was pretty normal, that most parents are like, you know, everybody's telling them there's something wrong, they're not doing it, and then like, no, 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 and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, you read, oh, maybe there is something wrong, and and then and then from that point on, I was like, okay, now that I know this is what he has, I mean, it's, it wasn't a question in my mind, I'm like, well, what do I do now, and then once again, you just read and read and read, talk to other parents, and just, just, it's just, it, yeah, you're just sort of, all of a sudden your whole life becomes consumed with trying to solve this problem of like my autistic son, what do I do? And, 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 and that, 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 yeah, that just, that takes every, every little inch and and angle of your body to sort of figure that out. Because I think most parents are like that, you know, like if there's something wrong with their child, it's, it's an inherent thing to sort of try and fix it. Right. Yeah. Um, the problem with autism, though, is, as, as, as I know now, is that I don't, I don't believe after all these years that something you fix. It's, it's something that you can, you know, you can sort of, it's it's a two, two-pronged thing where it's like you can help your child fit into society and then you can help society try and fit with your child, you know, and it's these two fights that you have to sort of deal with all the time. And um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, it, it was shocking, but it there, there was a lot of people out there going through the same thing. And, and you know you're not alone and there's a lot of books and there's a lot of great books and then <clears throat> you also read you know you i started reading a lot of people who who books by people who are autistic <clears throat> writing about what it's like to be autistic and that that was a whole next step of understanding autism versus just you know psychologists and people writing about what what is autism and actually understanding from the people who are autistic from their point of view what is going on and then looking at my son and then trying to connect with him on that respect and now we reached a point to where you know with my book tour he was i brought him with me on to interviews and stuff like that too so that he could actually be become part of it and then hopefully at some point take over the narrative himself and then i can go back to being a writer you know if he's if he's interested in being an autism advocate or you know helping other people with autism um then 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 please that would be great you know and then i can go back to the role of a writer so yeah it's been it's been a long road with regards to so you said obviously when um when you found out obviously you were doing everything you can do to get education uh, like be, be educated yourself and speaking to whoever and reading books and all that how long ago was this well he's 14 now so this was uh this was when it was two and three like basically what happens is you go through this whole this whole series of things where you go to the doctor and the doctor goes well he's not responding to his name let's get his ears checked you know or he's not um he's not a behaving this way, take him to a psychologist. And then most of the time you go through like 
10 people and nobody is like, I don't know, you know, until somebody says, oh, it might be autism. <clears throat> and now, I mean, we're at a point within 10 years where I feel like people are much more aware of it and people are like, okay, this is autism. But back then, even 10 years ago, it was still a struggle, you know? So yeah, this was where I was going to lead the question. Like, how did you find the support back then versus obviously what the support is now? Because obviously there's been a boom around autism, like obviously. And that's, that's where a lot of people get misinformation from or or whatever because obviously there's been such awareness around autism more recently over the last few years um but yeah and obviously you you, you basically talked about it quite well there that there was a very lack of support back then versus now i just wanted you to kind of elaborate really what was going through your time what was going through your head at the time as a parent not being able to get this information or not being able to get this support straight away. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're in England. So it, in the Netherlands, it's a, it's a sort of similar situation where you have this sort of social, it's a, it's a big thing. You walk into a, a hospital, you deal with doctors and they, they look on a much more of a, a macro level, you know, and, and, and in America, like uh, it, it, autism is much farther along. And I believe because there isn't a social net, that because people are like, oh my God, you know, my child's gonna be, when I die, my child's gonna be alone. I have to do everything I can possibly do to get this child from not being on the street. And so I think you have a lot more money and a lot more uh, resources going into autism, like in Australia too, like where people are like, uh, you know, but, but where I am in the Netherlands are more like, well, you know, we have kids like this and we have good group homes and what's the rush? You know, it, it can, it's fine. You know, there's, we have it all set up for people like this. We don't know what he has or what it is, but if he can't function in society, then there's a place for him. And um, that was really that wall. And I'm still going up against it quite a bit um, with him here and uh, with him in the Netherlands that um, the difference is sort of night and day where, where in the Netherlands that people are like, Oh yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's awful. But why spend thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on therapy when we have a good social net that can catch him and he can't make it versus in america they're like let's do something now we have to do this right now we have to get it on top of this blah blah and that urgency um since i'm an american it was easy for me to sort of like just call people in america and read you know read books and talk to doctors and in america and i so i just focused my attention there where it was more what I was feeling at the time too. So I, I was kind of lucky in that respect, you know, does, does that answer your question a little bit? It, yeah, it does. Definitely. With regards yeah. to, cause you're in the Netherlands and you're in, you're in the Netherlands today as well, aren't you? Um, right. Yeah. But you, so did you move from America to the Netherlands? Like how did that come about? Yeah. So uh, I had, um, about two years ago, I, I have a stack of um, letters and stuff from therapists basically saying, you know, he he can never, uh, his IQ is too low, that he can't do this, he can't do that, he can't do that. And then also like when my son talks, he's autistic, so he stuff comes out of his mouth and people are like, oh, you know, that, that's weird, you know, and it, he's not making much sense and, and, and what have you. And, and so this whole, this whole list of things that I had of of saying that he would never quite, he would never make it. Um, it was just, it, yeah, it's it's a very heavy weight upon your body. Of like, well, what do you mean? I, I see him, I talk to him, I hear what he does. I look at him drawing pictures. I hear his conversations. You know, he talks to me, we do things. 
and there's somebody in that head. There's somebody there. I can I can feel it. I can touch it. You know, I, I talk. We can communicate. But then I have all these people with sort of who are experts, but they're not really. But they are sort of saying to me, "Sorry, you're you're you know you're not you're you're sort of overplaying this." And he's never going to read because his IQ is too low. And and so about. Um, I guess about two years ago, I took him to a school in New Jersey and uh, I took him to a summer program and they, they taught him. Uh, I said, look, he can't read, but if there's anything you can do, you try and teach him to read. And so uh, they're like, okay, we got we have like three or four different programs we can try. And so the first two didn't work. And um, so he would, he would play all day in the summer and then in the afternoon they would, they would work with him. And then he, um, and then the third one, it, it started working and he started getting the words. And and it was basically, it was not to be too technical about it, but it was just they gave them the, the whole word and he had to sort of memorize like a, a picture, what the word looked like. And then he would keep it. And that's the only way because he couldn't, putting together the, the, the words into pieces was too much for him. But just memorizing what the word was. And that once he can memorize like 300, 400 words, then he can begin to build off of that. And so they taught him to read within like six days. And, wow. and so, like I said, I had this whole folder of, of people telling me he learned to read. And then, so I, um, I, uh, I was like, I have to get him into the school. And it took about two years of finagling with his, his mother and, and, and the Dutch government and so like that, trying to get him. And I finally, that last year, I, I uh, we got it worked out and I took him over there and I got him into school. And it was amazing. Like, he's just, he's been doing amazing. He's been, he's been learning to read it, but it's not only, it's not only about the academics. It's not like math. He learned to do math. He learned to do reading, but it was, it's also about like, they, they spend the time helping kids become social and they help them interact with the world and learn, you know, they, they take their autism, like, okay, you're autistic. So how can we help you, you know, live the fullest life you can possibly live? And it's just hard because, uh, the judgments and, and you were talking like sort of uh, about and I'm not comparing this at all, but like LGBTU, like when when people were when there were the protests, when people could, they could go out on the street and protest and say, like, you know, we want equal rights. We want this. But autistic kids can't do that. You know, they can't they can't walk with signs and be loud and make noise and stuff like that because they have communication problems. So parents that I know see their kids and they they they. They, they know there's somebody there and they're talking to them, but it's not getting out. And then their rights also are slowly impeded upon too. And I, I feel like as, as a father, I've learned over the last few years that, that I have to fight for him because I am the one who can do this. I'm the one that can talk loudly onto, you know, podcasts and things. He can't do it. Um, and, and that's also, that's also a difficult situation too, that, that I'm fighting for him because he can't do it. If he could do it, it'd be great. You know, so. Leela's left a really nice comment for you as well. So Leela said, what an amazing dad with such positive belief in your son and seeing past the professionals. And yeah, wholeheartedly agree with that. That's Bob on really, because as you said, you had a sack of paperwork essentially that it said that your son's not going to do all of these things. And you believed that he could because you saw something in him and you didn't just take that word and go, yeah, okay, fair enough. And, and leave it as that you fought for him and you're still fighting for him as you just quite rightly said there you are the one that has the voice you are using your voice to fight the fight 
and it's very very commendable and you know there's there's very little I can, <laughs> else i can say on that like you are such an amazing human being for for using your voice using your platform to tell and share his story through his eyes because you need to be the voice for him um, so yeah, yeah, but well, I also I want to say too though that 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 this I mean because this is important. There's a lot of parents that do what I do. Like mm-hmm. I feel like there's there's parents that go even beyond what I do. You know, like I mean I write about it. I do. I I I have I use my bull my bullhorn, which is to to write. You know, or to, to communicate through through language. But there's a lot of parents that you know they they're constantly fighting. They start organizations. They go to Washington. You know, they they just they're they're always putting up the fight for their kid. And that is also like I I'm very I follow that kind of role too. You know. Definitely. I wanted to talk about the support system. Now, I know that obviously things are a little bit different around the world. Um, obviously, I think, I, I'm assuming that uh, the US would be the same as uh, the UK. And obviously, you've got a very good support, uh, as you said before, a very, support, a very supportive network in uh, the Netherlands where you are now. Now, in the UK, one of the main issues that, that is raised quite a lot is the support of autism children once they leave schools. Now, when they leave schools, they're just kind of thrown into the world and they've just got to kind of pick up the, the pick up their own or hold their own or there's no support for parents after the, the children has left school. And I'm just wondering what kind of support is, do you know is out there for anybody that, you know, after when their son, after when their son or their daughter grow up, um, and what support do you think there should be? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, like, I okay, so I've, I was working on a book for a while, and I'm still working on it, but it's called, like, What Will You Do When I'm Gone? And it's all about, like, what different people have come up with as solutions to to do when they die. Like, what's going to happen? Like, cause there's, only, there's only three things. You can, your kid can, they can live in a group home. They can... Um, they can live with their relatives or their family, or they can be independent. But the last one, that independent one, is that's the tricky one. That's really hard, you know, or at least semi-independent. Um, but that's the one where, you know, when you go as a parent, you're like, okay, at least they know how to navigate the world without me. You know, they're not going to rely on certain people to take care of them. They're not going to rely on the state to take care of them. So I interviewed a lot of people, and, and actually some of the most interesting interviews I had were in England and in Ireland. And... Um, parents just sort of like yeah there was just a lot there was this one woman and she god bless her heart she was amazing she was just like yeah she like left her her daughter on the steps of uh, the parliament ireland and sort of she got berated for doing this she's like here you go here's my child you know you say like you'll do something about it but now she's 21 and she's still living at home and and why don't you take care of her like why don't you take care of her like you take care of other people and and she just sort of left her and like walked away. And it was, I mean, it was, she's the most wonderful person. So it sounds the way I'm explaining it now. She's just caring, wonderful. She's like, look, this is, why are you asking us to do this? Why are you asking parents to take care of their kids? They're adult children. Like when your kids are 21 or, you know, 18, they leave the house. That's, that is, that's, that should be the end. You know, I mean, they can come back when they get divorced or whatever, but like, you know, but not to just take care of them forever and then worry about it. And she has been this, really great advocate for for this and, and and meanwhile there's been lots of parents um who have sort of followed her role like this is not right this is not right what is happening right now that you are forcing us as parents to take care of our adult children that you should be taking care of them you should be finding ways that we can put you know that these kids child can and it's slowly working you know like <clears throat> 
she got some things pushed through where there was, you know, uh, after school or uh, like afternoon programs and where they would pick her up, pick her daughter up and take her on trips and stuff like that. Um, but she's like, it's still not enough, you know? And, and so um, I don't really know to answer your question, like exactly what it is, but I know that there are these people who are fighting for it and they're, they're wonderful people and they, they're putting up a really good fight about it. And it's, yeah, it's just, it's, it's like halfway in the fight right now, you know, but the biggest problem right now is that I think like when you have bigger social systems and you have governments in charge of it, you have a lot of people who look at disabled people as half people. They're not mm -hmm. real people. They're half people. And, and, and then you can't like for my son, he can't just stand up and say like, no, I'm a full person. He can't scream. He can't yell. He can't, he'll do it. He'll be like, no, like, you know, why don't people listen to me? But he'll say it like this. Like, people listen to me, you yeah. know? And th that's how he'll say it. And, and so until that point where people who are disabled intellectually are considered to be full people, then we're, that's going to be the problem. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for that. Now, we did touch on something before and I kind of want to bring you back to it. So I, I asked you if your if your son who has autism um, is the oldest or the youngest and you said he's the oldest one. And I want to kind of just bring you back to that and talk about how if it has affected, obviously, because you've had two other children after that. I'm just wondering how how obviously the support that you've, that you've been giving to your oldest one, has that affected, obviously, your, your, your two other children? Um, how have they found everything are they very supportive if they are they doing what they can do obviously i know that age-wise they might not be able to do a lot but I'm just wondering how the dynamic of the family has changed um because obviously of, of, of the oldest son if that if that makes sense yeah no it's i mean i it, it's a it's a complicated question and and it's it's something that happens i think with all families is that the, the majority of the attention goes on the autistic child and then the other kids you know, they want to be supportive, but they're kids, you know, they're like, mm -hmm. why, why isn't my dad paying more attention to me? Why isn't my mom, you know, when I'm upset, why does my mom, you know, worry about this? Why isn't my mom fighting all these people and talking on the phone all the time for me? You know, it's just a natural reaction for kids, you know? And so, it, yeah, it causes a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of problems within, within the family. But I mean, yeah, I think my kids are amazing. Like that, the fact that, that how much they've sacrificed for him too. I also think like, you know, there's going to be a lot of like, um, you know, psychology bills, you know, I'm going to play the psychologist a lot later on for them, you know, too, because it's, it's, it, it affects everybody and it affects it in, in very bad ways. But like, for example, like my youngest one, he's four and he's really bossy and, and my oldest son who's autistic is 14. And, um, and, uh, you know, they, they, they work kind of good together. You know, the, the, the four-year-old, you know, my oldest son's like, he's like, come on, we're going to go draw right now. And he goes, okay. You know, and then, and then, you know, and then he says, you put your shoes on backwards, put your shoes on right. And my oldest, you know, and then fixes them. So like, <laughs> so like it, that kind of thing, I mean, that, that's sort of also their ages and how long that's going to, it's going to last. But there are these, these really nice things. And, and my middle son, he's 11 too. He's, He's also like, it's, it's unfortunate. You don't ever want to say this, but he has become a lot more wise because he's seen everything his parents have to go through and too. And, and, you know, on one hand, you want to keep your child in a bubble and you want them, you know, not to, but then on the other hand, you know, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. It's life, you know, and you have to just sort of hope that, that that wisdom doesn't come with any sort of emotional damage or anything like that too so it's just it's a constant just juggling you're just juggling like please i hope this doesn't go this and this is you know like it, it's 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 hard yeah in that respect 
Your your son uh, who has autism, he's been a big influence on obviously you writing your books. And I just wanted to know how you got started with writing those uh, those two because you've written two books, haven't you? You've released two books, and I'm just wanting to know, uh, you know, are are they both linked to obviously uh, your son? And you know, where did the inspiration come from? What made you sit down and start writing about it? Uh, Let's start talking about those books. Yeah. No, um, my first book is about sort of my childhood growing up. Everybody's first book of fiction has to be sort of autobiographical. Um, and it's, you know, it's about my dad. Um, my dad sort of, well, it's not my dad, but the, the father in the book becomes, he sort of believes he's Jesus. And then the son has to hold everything together. Um, my second book was uh, the one that I wrote about my son, about autism. Um, I guess I just wrote a lot of memoirs and then father-son memoirs about raising autism. And I just, I didn't want to go, I wasn't ready to go there yet. I didn't connect with them. I thought they were too personal. I wanted to create something that was more of a, of a overarching idea about what is disability and what is, uh, so anybody who was raising a child with ADHD or you know, the, the myriad of things that you're talking, the, the, the struggle of being a parent and trying to give your child the best life they can possibly have um, with these challenges. And um, one of the things was, I, I read this, I read a lot of stories about parents who uh, who are just sort of in these insurmountable situations who um, couldn't deal with their autistic child. Like for example, there was, there was one mother in Canada who whose child had a lot of tantrums, of violent tantrums, and 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 he just she just watched him get bigger and bigger and bigger until the point where he was twice her size almost, and then she just couldn't stop him with his tantrums anymore. And and, and I'm sorry, to, this is a little grim, but she just took him and they jumped in front of a train like she just couldn't do it anymore you know and that, that story happens at least once a month i mean you read it you know the, the daily mirror loves to write about stuff like that you know unfortunately but they these these stories about parents just can't they can't do it anymore you know and then i read one about a father who was uh rolling stone about a father who had an autistic son and <clears throat> the mother had left and he was just trying to he was trying to pay his bills but his house was gonna get repossessed and uh and he didn't know what to do like he was he didn't have he couldn't work because he couldn't leave his son alone um, but his house was going to get repossessed. And then it, he knew if his son went to a state home, it would be a disaster, especially in America where like the group homes are horrible. A lot of them, um, that, that are funded by the state. I mean, um, and so he, he, his son, um, his son really liked to be, uh, a lot of autistic people, they like pressure against their body. So his son liked to be tied up against a tree and, um, he could sit there for hours in this tree and, and the father got a job. And he's like, it was only like four hours a day. And he's like, if I do this job for the summer, if I can just do it, I can have enough to make us through the winter. And so every day he would tie his son up to a tree for four hours and he would go to his work and he was earning money and it was working until his neighbor reported him to the police. Uh-huh. And then social services came. He was arrested, put in jail. His son was taken away to a, to a home and, and it, his son was basically killed in the home. And there's all these very grim situations. And, and the father just, you know, it was devastating for him. And so I, I sort of like, I wanted to write a book of fiction that sort of connected with the struggle, the, the internal struggle that, that a parent has to deal with 
these sort of things that, that, that are the problems that we have, not just with autism, but like with children that struggle with sort of all sorts of disabilities. So that's, that's what I was going on. We'll definitely get some information about those books and we'll definitely post them out as well. They do sound very, very interesting. And I think that definitely they, they should be worth a read. So a hundred percent, what we'll do is we'll post those links out for people to, uh, have a have a look for themselves and, and maybe make a purchase and have a read as well. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about as well was the advice that you could probably give to um, maybe new parents who have just had an autistic child or even just parents in general who've got a, a child who has been diagnosed with autism. And what advice would you give to them if they are, you know, getting to a point where they are feeling like they are struggling or, you know, mentally it's because it, obviously it will be quite quite draining mentally as well for for a parent i'm just wondering what advice you would give to to either new parents or older parents yeah and that's a tough question because like there's you know there's all different the spectrum of autism is huge you know so like you know if kids are high functioning or low functioning and then also the 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 financial background of the parents you know what what sort of resources do you have like some people have a lot of resources and some people don't um i i feel like i'm pretty lucky i i live in two very good countries and and i have a lot of resources and especially when i went to america and new jersey they were like i mean america we have the americans with disability act which is which is i think one of the most fantastic things ever to be done in american history i mean you know speaking bias of course but but it does it it, it changed the whole idea that if you are disabled you the state is obliged to make you equal right so i think i think what you have to look at is what you can do as a person you know what your own capabilities are what you know when your sacrifices for other people are going to interfere with this and then you also have to say like, okay, I want this child equal and how will, how far you're willing to go with that fight as a person. Cause as you know, with like LGBTU, like there's a lot of people that will put up a fight that will just fight and fight and fight. And there are people like, I'll just wait to see what happens, you know? And you, I guess you just have to assess who you are as a person and just really be honest with yourself and then, and then do what you can, you know? I mean, I guess that's kind of trite what I'm saying, but like, yeah, everybody's different. It's not an easy fight, you know? So definitely, it can kill, definitely. It can just, it can run you down. If you look at a lot of parents with autism, you know, the gray hairs and wrinkles and, you know, <laughs> they're exhausted, you know? So that's what you want to do. But now with regards to who, like with you and obviously your son and, you know, both of your lives, what is next for uh, Eric? What's next for Eric? What does the future look like? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. It's difficult right now. I mean, I, there's some setbacks we've had recently and, and, and it's um, some struggles that I've, I've had to really deal with and I, I I've tried to put them in place. Um, and I guess like, I, I, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's hard. I mean, the future, you know, I am, I'm trying to be as optimistic as I possibly can, but I'm also trying to be as honest as I with myself, you know, what, how far can you get, how far can I go with my son? You know, is he, is he going to be a lawyer? I don't know. Is he going to, you know, is he going to have a job that he really likes because he loves music? He loves DJing. I, that's what I want, you know, but you, you know, you're constantly hitting walls and how much energy do I have to fight these walls and how much energy you know, how far can we go in a society that's, you know, looks at him as not equal? Um, 
yeah, it's it's an individual thing, and I, I it's funny because you know you read a lot, like you read a lot now about um, slave narratives, people who America, and they were trying to, you know, sort of become equal equal people, and you know it doesn't it doesn't happen in one lifetime. It happens in several lifetimes, you know. And I think we are going much faster now. I think the 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 way people look at autism now has changed tremendously within years, and and hopefully in ten more years it'll be a, a totally different place too, you know. Um, and I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in the Netherlands, you know, and, and I think it was Spinoza who said that, that, you know, the Netherlands, he said when the end of the world comes, the Netherlands is a great place to be because it's 10 years behind everybody else, you know. So <laughs> hopefully in 10 years, you know, we'll be, we'll be in the same place. So I, I, I feel like, you know, and then in New Jersey, like where he's going, he's, he's growing. He's doing really well. So, yeah, I, where am I? I mean, I have to think of my other kids, I have my family, my wife. And uh, so there's, there's, I hope, I hope that like everybody else, good place. Everybody's a little bit more settled and happy, you know? Yeah. With, um, is, that, is that a good answer? I feel like that's it's, kind of a, it's a very answer. good answer. And it's a nice little segue into my next question. So if, for example, somebody wanted to get in touch with you to find out more about your story, to find out about your books or anything else like that, um, where can people find you? Yeah, just on my website, please email me. I love getting emails from people. It's uh, www.ericrashke, E-R-I-K-R-A-S-C-H-K-E.com. Um, yeah, that's the best way. I mean, I'm on Facebook too. You can also write me on Facebook. I'm not super social media savvy because I'm clumsy with that kind of stuff. But And I feel like if, <laughs> when you're clumsy with social media, you can get in way too much trouble nowadays. So, um, But yeah, my website, send me an email. I'd love it. I'd love if I can help out or... You know, help out anyway, please. Uh, what we'll do now is we will just quickly pop that up. So I think I've got it right. I haven't got my glasses on. Bear with. There we yeah, go. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so there, there's the website there. So if, for example, you wanted to get in touch with Eric, then you can do www.ericrashke.com. You'll be able to get in touch with Eric. There are links to your social media platform as well on Facebook, isn't there? Um, on there as well. I was going to uh, drop you a message on there. But yeah, the, so that is the website that you can go on to. What I'll do is I'll post that into the show notes as well. So those who are listening to this via Apple Music, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, or other po uh, podcast streaming methods, then quickly check the show notes and you will see that I have put the website in there as well for Eric. So you'll be able to get in touch with him as well. Um, is there anything that we haven't discussed that you would like the opportunity to discuss now? Well, uh, God, no. I mean, there's a lot of things I can discuss. I mean, I can talk for hours and hours about things. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I think I think we've got it. I, I, I feel bad. Like, I feel like I've sort of like the, been the, the, serious, the serious guest on your show. I've listened to your other shows, and everybody's so jovial and fun. And I'm just like, oh, <laughs> to be fair. I am, we... I am pretty fun. I am, I am a fun guy, sort of, I think. <laughs> We've definitely needed some. <laughs> the thing is, is that we do talk about some serious stuff on here as well. Uh, more recently, it's been quite lighthearted, but this was a subject that was very close to me, uh, very close to my heart. Um, I have a nephew who uh, who has autism, and it's an episode that I've been wanting to do for a while because I do feel like there is not enough, even though we are getting to a point where obviously people are talking about it more, it still could be better. And I wanted to use my platform to get some stories through about autism. So thank you so much really for coming on the show, being so open, honest and vulnerable with us as well. And basically telling your truth It's it's very much appreciated. 
Yeah, thank you very much. No problem. Now, have you got some final thoughts for us today? Uh, wow. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm no. I, I have I have thoughts. I have lots of thoughts. Lots and lots. I mean, one of my one of my biggest thoughts right now is that uh, that um, that Casa Bonita. I grew up in Denver, Colorado, and Casa Bonita is this Mexican restaurant. Uh, it was going bankrupt, and, and uh, it's really awful. It's got just cliff divers, and the, the guys from South Park just bought it. And uh, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw. Yeah, I've bad. been following that story for a while. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I grew up there. I grew up in Colorado, and like everybody is so like when, when they bought it, everybody's like, "Yay!" Like <laughs> finally, we have saviors, you know. So, uh, but yeah, it's a, look at what you can do. Look, I think they got like nine hundred million dollars or something like that for their show. So you can buy Cosmina when you get rich and you get successful. There's the your oyster. <laughs> <laughs> definitely definitely <laughs> what what a final thought that and that's is. gonna become that's gonna become you you know now that you're you've taken the plunge to becoming a full-time you know uh interviewer and yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to step your game up a little bit more and I, that's that's a crazy thing right now that you're going through like you're like before you're sort of like you had something to fall back on you know but then that minute you don't have anything to fall back on that's 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 when you really find out who you are and i think that's going to be fun for you to really explore because you're a great host you know and you got great thank you so. <laughs> thank you i appreciate that <laughs> well that's 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 brilliant for final thoughts it's all about like you know praising me which is brilliant <laughs> love that love that we'll stick with that with final thoughts uh no but honestly it's been absolutely amazing having you on the show as i say this story was something that uh, it, it is very very close to me i wanted to talk about this on my platform um so thank you so much for coming on the show and you know as i say just being so open honest and, and vulnerable with us and telling telling your truth telling your story telling your son's story as well and being the voice for him and um, what you're doing as i say is very very commendable and as you quite rightly said before as well there's plenty of other people out there fighting the fight so I appreciate that as well. And I want to thank them for fighting the fight. And if we can do more episodes in the future covering about covering autism, then that's what we will do. Um, I will use my platform as, as much as I can do to, to get that message out. And I know that this spectrum is, is a wide spectrum for autism. And I would absolutely love to have as many people on telling their story and doing what we can do to fight the fight, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's great, man. Um, now, at the end of every episode, I give my guests the opportunity to give a quote, and it can be something that they stand by, live by. It could be something that they've made up that they just really like, or it could be that they have uh, read a quote and they think, you know what, I absolutely love that quote. And I'm just wondering if you've got a quote for me today and if you'd be able to explain why that quote is important to you and why it's important to share that quote today. Yeah. Oh, well, I have a quote from Flaubert about the truth is perception, you know, and, and uh, there is no truth, only perception. I'm sorry, Flaubert. Um, I guess it comes from the French, but the, 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 there is no truth, only perception. I guess like, you know, especially with my son, that he sees the world in a completely different way than I do. You know, that there's so many people and they're all, they all see the world in such different ways and their truth is not my truth, you know? And so when you start saying like, this is how it should be and this is the truth and this is the way the world works and stuff like that, you're really, really like, you're forcing your perception on the rest of the world. And and I, I think that that holds us back from inclusive and diverse and et cetera, et cetera, you know? And that we really think about how other people see the world and what their truths are too, you know? 
That's brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing that quote with us today. And thank you again for sharing your story with us. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I wish you all the best for the future and obviously for your son as well. I wish him all the uh, all the best for the future. Who knows, one day he might be a lawyer and one day he might want to come on this show himself and tell his truth. Who knows? Uh, you know, let's... Uh, Let's hope so. Anyway, it's been, as I say, it's been an absolute pleasure. Leela's commented as well. Thank you. It's been an excellent insight into autism. Um, and, and that is true. It's, it has been an, an excellent uh, insight as well. So thank you so much. You are now free to say your goodbyes, Eric. Hey, goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much. I really, really enjoy this, Marcus. I love the, I love the energy. It's great. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay, and I'm sure it will be the the end. Uh, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll keep in touch and obviously have a conversation further on down the line. Uh, but for now, Eric, it is goodbye. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. I loved it. No, thank you. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye. What an amazing episode. Oh my God. As I said, like towards the end of that episode as well, it is a subject that's very, very, very close to my heart. And I wanted to share this story so, so much. I, um, quite a while ago, I posted out a, 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 a big post talking about that. I wanted a guest on to talk about autism. Now, Eric hadn't seen this post. Eric had seen a previous post where I was just after random guests. And um, when he talked about his story, I was like, there you go. I have just wrote a post asking for these people, uh, uh, parents of, of autistic children, um, to come on the show. And so you're, this is a story that I have to share. He's such a great person. It's been an absolute pleasure to have him on the show. Thank you again, everybody, once, you know, for, for being so uh, being so attentive and being uh, um, participating in the show. I absolutely love doing this and you're going to see a lot more in the future of me doing Spill It. And I can't wait to share with you all of my plans for the future, especially for Spill It. Next week, I have got a lovely guest lined up for you. This is Lucas Chapman and Lucas will be on the show talking about the life after care. So the episode is episode 59, Care After Care. And this episode, we'll be talking about Lucas, who grew up in care and what it was like to have support or not get support in the life after care. Lucas will be on the show on Wednesday, the 25th of August at 7 p.m. So make sure that you are joining in for that. My name is Marcus Wright. And when I don't do this, I run a little radio show called A Little Bit of Marcus. And you can find that on Beat 103 between 12 p.m. and 3 p.m. live on Beat 103. And you can follow my Instagram for that at MarcusBeat103. If you are wanting to get in touch with me for anything Spill It related, or you want to see our future guests, or you want to get in touch with our guests, then you can do by heading over to the Spill It website at www.spillit.uk. On that website, you'll also be able to support me by buying merch. Now, I've got a brand new merch lineup coming as well, which is absolutely epic. There'll be other t-shirts available, specifically ones to do with previous guests as well. So if you are a fan of some of the previous guests, then let me know and I will sort out a t-shirt for you. But there are plenty on the way and you'll be able to buy all of that over on the website as well. Now, if you're wanting to support me and the work that I do, then you can do by becoming an official Patreon supporter. You can donate just £2 a month. That is it. Two pounds a month, 
will help support this, support this platform. It will help me grow, make, grow this into something bigger and better as well. And all I ask for is a donation of £2 per month. You can find the Spillit Patreon over on the Spillit website at www.spillit.uk. Thank you for obviously those people who are donating already. It does mean so much. It means that I can keep growing this platform and keep it growing into something big that will be taking over the world. Or so I hope anyway. <laughs> and also you can invite people into the Spillet community by inviting people into the Facebook page the Facebook group, the Facebook page, and also sharing all of the links. If you are watching this via YouTube or Twitch, then you can share them links out and you can go, hey, hey, look at this. You should join this group. And, you know, there are episodes every single week and blah, blah, blah. Um, and also you can share the Spotify, Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts out as well to your friends and to your family and go, hey, give this a, give this a listen. Make sure you listen to him. He's fab and he has loads and loads of guests. Do that for me. Sh support me support me guys and of course you can leave a review so if you're watching this via facebook live go onto the facebook page leave me a review and let me know how i'm getting on if you've enjoyed the episode if you've enjoyed any of the other episodes if i put a smile on your face at, at any at any point during my spillet broadcast or my guests have really put a smile on your face then head over to the facebook page right now and leave a review if you're listening to this via apple podcast you can do the same just click onto the main page, leave me a review, and let me know how I'm getting on. It's as simple as that. I absolutely love reading reviews. So if you can spare a minute of your time, then head over and leave me a review. Right. Well, that is it from me. Thank you so much to everybody who's joined in tonight's episode. Again, once more, thank you so much to Eric, who has come on the show and been so open and honest with us it has been an absolute pleasure and i'm sure that it will not be the last that we see of him until we spill it again it's bye for now <laughs>